Molly Burks Pesor, one of the creative partners for the local church, and you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast featuring sermons from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive faith community based out of Chatham County, North Carolina. We gather for the work of worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. in person at House of Hops in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and virtually on Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself listening today, know that you're right where you need to be. You belong. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her were also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Good morning, friends. It's good to see you this morning to be in worship with you. Um, My name is Brent. I serve as the pastor here. Uh, I've been playing with this um, idea this week, trying to uh, imagine um, and talking with you and and thinking together about the purpose of this time um, each week. I've been been playing with an an image, a thought, a metaphor in my mind. and uh, anybody ever trained for a race? Yeah. I haven't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I have been on, you know, workout regimens and, and things like that over time. Um, and I feel, you know, you know when, you, when you start training and you get up to a certain, a certain pace, right? Um, like, uh, you know, for me, it'd be like I could run three and a half miles consistently, you know? Um, and then something happens, and you take some time off. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe, maybe the race is over, whatever it might be. Um, and then you wake up one day, and you're like, you know what? I can do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up, get back out. And you don't have the capacity that you did. You know, you, you get halfway through, and you're like, oh, I can't. 
what happened? It feels to me in many ways, and, and I'm working this out, so if this doesn't resonate with you, let me know. We can, we can, we can think about it. But um, I've been thinking about how it feels like maybe February 2020 was that three and a half mile for us. Um, and then a pandemic hit, and, and we, start to, we start to emerge from that pandemic, and, and, and we get out, and we want to run that three and a half miles again, and we realize that we don't have the capacity that we once did. So many people I've talked to in the last couple of weeks, myself included, it just feels like so many of us are barely hanging on. And I think a lot of that is because we're trying to, to get back to that pace that we were running in February 2020. Um, and we don't necessarily have the capacity that we did. Because now we are, uh, we're taking COVID precautions. We're, we're, um, we're getting tested on a regular basis, perhaps. Um, we're, we're trying to figure out um, school schedules and, and trying to work from home versus going to the office. We have all of these things, not to mention the unresolved grief and trauma that we've experienced that we haven't collectively dealt with. And so for me anyway, it feels like we are running ragged, that during the week we are, are not at that capacity that we believe ourselves to be. And so that's why this time is important. That's why this time is important. So that we can come together and we can breathe in the love of God. Remember who and whose we are. Reset. Take that break in the middle of the race that we might need to catch our breath. And then we're sent back into the world uh, to, keep, to keep going. Um, I've been playing with that. I've been thinking about that. So all it is to say, it's really good that you're here. Uh, I don't take that for granted. We want this time, this space each week to be one where you are welcomed, where you are anchored, where you are empowered. I think that's what we need. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that's what this time, um, where we come together, where we worship, where we reorient ourselves, where we ground ourselves, um, I think it makes all the difference for us. Um, so I hope that's true for you this morning and every time that we meet. Um, one of the things we say each time we gather is that uh, wherever you are in your spiritual journey or on no journey at all, you have a place here at the local church. We mean that. We mean that. We want you to bring your full selves into this space with all your questions, with all your doubts, with all your hopes, dreams, fears, um, so that we can journey together um, into the place that God has uh, for us, into the future that God is calling us to. Um, we cannot do that alone. We need one another for that. And so it's good, whether you're online, um, good morning, if you are, so glad that you're here, or in person. Um, this time, this space matters. Um, and we want you to be welcomed and anchored and empowered. Um, a quick uh, just disclaimer about the screens. We've been having trouble for the last couple weeks. We ordered last week an HDMI cable. Part of the problem is that we are trying to connect um, wirelessly to the screen, um, the images, and uh, it, when it works, it works great, and it works typically from about 8.45 in the morning to about 9.29. Um, 
and then uh, 9.30 hits and something happens. And so we've ordered an HDMI cable that we're going to run from the TVs uh, on down into the computer. Um, your patience is appreciated with that. That's why we have the QR codes on the back as well. Um, the HDMI cable should be here next week. So knock on wood, pray for us that, uh, that, that, that uh, things uh, are, are better next week as it relates to the screen. But speaking of the QR codes, you may notice that you don't have a card like you might normally do um, in your seats. And, and that's because we're trying to save paper. We're trying to move um, to an all-digital format as best we can. Um, and so if you have your phone, you can uh, scan the QR code. And all that means is just opening up your camera app and pointing it. And hopefully, a link will pop up. If it doesn't work, um, find somebody who's under 25, and they'll be sure to help you. Um, uh, or Richard. Um, and, uh, and, and there on that, on that QR code as well, there's a spot for your prayers, um, a spot to connect if you're new, to sign up for our email list, um, find ways to connect. And so that's all there for you. It's a great resource. And so we hope that you'll make use of that. If you have prayers this morning that you want to lift up, that we can uh, um, pray with you throughout the week, that's a place where you can um, put them. And also it helps us, uh, you can sign in there too so that we can um, know that you are here. Um, so... With that, I think that's all of the announcements I have. Let's, uh, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this time, this space. We pray that we would be welcomed and anchored and empowered here, that we would feel the warmth of your embrace, the love uh, filling our lungs, that we might exhale them back into the world. Uh, we pray that you would ground us in your word, in your instruction, in your wisdom that we might live uh, as wise and faithful uh, stewards and servants, and that we would be empowered, uh, sent into this world by your grace, by your power, by your spirit, to be your hands and feet in a world uh, that is hurting, that is hanging on by a thread, a world uh, desperately in need of you, oh God. Invite us. Uh, to open our eyes, our hearts, our ears, our minds, to experience you and encounter you in new ways, to bring our full selves into this space, oh God, that we would know that you are with us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. Amen. I once heard an interview with uh, Kate Braystrup. She's a chaplain in Maine with a pretty unique gig. She's a chaplain to game wardens in the parks and forests there in Maine. Did you meet her when you were in Maine, Brigitte? No? Uh, game wardens are basically law, I didn't know this, but they're basically law enforcement officers uh, who can do anything from protecting the wildlife to uh, caring for the land to responding to crises or accidents uh, assisting with search and rescue efforts anywhere on, um, on, on in the parks and in the forests. And Kate, the chaplain, told this story in this interview that just gutted me. It was a story that unfortunately we hear all too often. This one about a woman named Christine who'd been abducted, beaten, left for dead in the woods there in Maine many years ago. And as the chaplain, Kate, was called to help with the search providing spiritual care for those who were searching. Um, they, uh, they ended up recovering the body, um, and she cared for them. She cared for those who searched for the evidence. She cared for those who would find the person responsible. 
And even though, as a chaplain, she's the one tasked with pointing to hope in such a horrific situation, she describes how this incident raised all kinds of questions for her. Questions like, what if she had chosen a different day to go to the park? What if she got stuck in traffic on the way that morning? Would things have turned out differently? But there were bigger questions, too, deeper questions. In the interview, she said this. I think we have the quotation, maybe, Jimmy? Yep. She said, it was one of those events that test our sense of what it means to live in Maine, of whether our children are safe or whether we are safe. What do you do about evil that swoops down completely at random? And as she continued with these questions, there was another question lingering beneath these questions. Where's God in this? Where's God in this? Maybe it's a question you've asked from time to time too. God, where were you? Where are you? It's a question we can hear beneath Mary's words in the passage that Ted read for us this morning. A question that rings in the wake of a loved one's death as we're trying to make sense of it all. At once looking back and working hard to cling to the memories that we have before they fade. While also looking ahead and trying to imagine how you could possibly move forward. Imagine a world without that one that you love. Imagine your way forward into a new future that you didn't ask for, that you don't want. And this is Mary's reality. She falls to her knees in front of Jesus four days after her brother Lazarus has died there in Bethany. Lazarus, who is a friend to Jesus. Lazarus, who Jesus loved You can hear the grief, the heartache in Mary's words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. An unspoken question there too. Where are you? Where were you? A little context to catch us up. Jesus actually had been there in Bethany where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha lived, but he had fled the region after narrowly escaping an arrest and a stoning. And after he's gone, Mary and Martha would send word uh, to Jesus that their brother, Lazarus, Jesus' friend, was sick and close to death. But instead of dropping everything to rush back to Bethany, Jesus waits. He tarries. He stays two days longer where he was, two days after he had received the message before he decides to return to Bethany. And he can't win. Because just as soon as he announces where he's headed, the disciples protest. They're like, whoa, what? Hang on. Where are we going? I don't know if you remember Jesus, but they just tried to kill you, and you want to go back there? And Thomas proclaims, well, if he's going to go, let us all go and die with him. And that statement alone tells us the gravity of the situation, tells us that they were serious. You get a sense of how real the threat was, how much was at stake what they thought would be awaiting them there. But they go anyway, and they arrive back at Bethany, and Jesus is getting it from all sides, from Martha first, who meets him on the way, and then Mary, there's incredulity that he'd wait so long to come, as if to say, I thought you loved him. I thought you loved him. I thought he was your friend. It's not what friends do. And some of those who'd gathered to care for Mary and Martha in their grief, they were piling it on too. You heard it in the passage. They asked, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? In other words, could he have done something about this? 
But Jesus is there now. Four days later, which is also significant, four days, because in those, in those days, uh, traditional belief was that the soul lingered in the body for three days, lingered around the body for three days. But by the fourth, the thinking was that the soul had fled, had left for good. In other words, there was no possibility of Lazarus coming back. That ship had sailed. And Jesus stands there, that question lingering beneath the surface, where were you? And as that question lingers, he's overcome himself with grief. As he sees Mary weeping, and as he sees the Jews who are with Mary weeping, with them, Jesus begins to weep too. And so Jesus walks to the tomb and commands that the stone be moved at the entrance. But Martha, the sister of Lazarus and Mary, protests. She's basically like, don't do that. Don't roll away the stone. What are you thinking? It's going to stink so bad. He's been there four days. And what you can't help but hear in that protest, in, in, in Martha's protest there, is a resignation, right? What is, what's the point? What, what does it matter? A sense of defeat, that sense of hopelessness. And Jesus responds, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God, which I love that verse, and that's a sermon for another day. But with that, they roll away the stone, and Jesus cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And he does. He does. His feet wrapped in strips of cloth, stumbling out. His face wrapped too. And Jesus looks at them and says, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. This is such a, a poignant passage for All Saints Sunday, which is today, as Rajiv mentioned. It's a day we mark on the first Sunday of November each year. And we set it aside to remember and to give thanks for the saints of our lives, those we cherish, those we hold dear, who have died in the past year, who taught us something about who God is and who we're called to be. We give thanks for their life, but also recognize that their story isn't over, that their lives live on in God's love that never ends. And it's important for us to note, I think, that, that how we think about saints uh, is different from that of our Catholic siblings. Uh, the word saint comes from the same word that means holy. But to us, it doesn't just mean a special holy person like St. Francis or St. Oscar Romero. The title of saint is for anyone and everyone who is a part of Christ's body, the church, past, present, future. That includes you. That includes you. And in particular on All Saints Day, we spend intentional time to name and to lift up and give thanks for those we know, the saints of our lives who've died in the past year. We'll do that in just a little while during a special time of prayer. But this year especially, as we were singing uh, for all the saints, like I, I choked up. I choked up. Um, it hit me. I mean, just in the last few weeks, we've seen the death toll from COVID in the U.S., Jumped to over 750,000 people. 
And globally, that number is over 5 million. We know something about death this year, don't we, especially? That's 5 million mothers and fathers and siblings and friends, spouses and partners, 5 million empty chairs in sanctuaries and at dinner tables. In many ways, the earth has become a tomb of its own and the stench of death is strong. And it's highly likely that more than one person, a widow, a grieving parent, a friend left behind, a child without a parent, has asked, where were you, God? Where are you? Maybe it's a question that you've asked too. And this passage on this All Saints Sunday gives us space and permission to ask that question in a safe space with the incredulity of Mary and Martha and with the countless others who have raged at God in the midst of hard things. Last week, last Sunday, if you were here, participated online, uh, we talked about authenticity and bringing our full selves into this time and into this space. And maybe if we're being really honest, that question is all we have to offer. Maybe not this morning, but maybe some mornings. And as much as the world tries to pacify our grief and distract us from it, tries to convince us that we need to pull ourselves together and move on, the passage today invites us to linger with it, to stay a while in it, even as uncomfortable as it might be. It beckons us not to look away. Because if we do, we might miss where God is if we look away. We might miss that even though it may not have been on Mary and Martha's time frame, Jesus does show up. And when he gets there, he weeps too. Jesus doesn't avoid grief by coming to the rescue, but instead Jesus enters into that grief. And whatever grief you feel, and whatever heartache you carry, and whatever loss you hold, whether it's a person, a relationship, a dream, Jesus weeps with you. Jesus weeps with you. He's not standing far off. He's not just hanging around waiting for you to get yourself together, to get over it, to move on. He's there with you in it, right in the thick of it, just as he wept with Mary and with Martha and the others who'd gathered there. But grief won't have the last word either. That's the promise of this passage, the raising of Lazarus. Lazarus, uh, which literally means God is my help. That's what his name means. God is my help. Where is God? From those places of grief and heartache, God is also calling out to us. Just as Jesus calls to Lazarus in the tomb, Jesus calls to us when we find ourselves in places of death, trapped and entombed. He calls to us for our liberation, for our healing, for our restoration, our wholeness. Maybe he's calling your name out of the tomb of a dead-end job and into a meaningful and life-giving vocation. Maybe he's whispering your name, beloved, when the voices of inadequacy and insecurity and fear awaken you in the middle of the night. Maybe he's calling you out of the tomb of a future you want to control, you want to cling to so tightly that it has to happen a certain way and is instead inviting you to risk surrendering yourself, your life, your future to God's promise, to God's future. Discover the life that really is life. Maybe God's calling you beyond the tomb of a self-image you're trying to cling to into the light of who you really are. What is it for you? What is it for you? 
And where is God? God's in those standing by as Lazarus stumbles out of the tomb bound in cloth. Notice that Jesus' last words in this passage aren't to Mary or Martha or to Lazarus even, but they're to the crowd who's gathered. Jesus' last words directed those who'd gathered to keep watch, to wonder about what's happening to the saints surrounding the tomb. Jesus' words unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let them go. Let him go. In other words, Jesus says to them, you unbind him. You unbind him. Which takes us back to Maine and to Chaplain Kate as she recounts the heavy and harrowing days in the wake of Christine's death. She ends up answering that unspoken question that had been lingering beneath the surface, where are you, God? In her interview, Chaplain Kate said this, I don't look for God or God's work in magic or in tricks or in, you know, this is what I want, and then I get it. I look for God's work always in how people love each other and just the acts of love that I see around me. This event tested that for me. So to look for where love was in this situation, the very obvious place to look would be in the hearts and the hands of the guys who did their best to find her and to make things right for her and for her family. So where's God in the ones who searched and the ones who supported the family and the ones who cared and lingered and didn't say a word but just showed up? The saints, those who got to work unbinding. And in the same way, the saints for us are those who have worked to loosen the wrappings that have bound us. They're the ones who have called something out of us that we couldn't see. The ones who encouraged us on hard days, who rejoiced on the good ones, who've prayed with us and for us, even without our knowing. Those are the saints. The ones whose trusted correction moves us from cynicism to hope. I have saints like that in my life. The ones who embody the presence of God and lead us to freedom, whatever that might mean for you. I want want you to take a moment now and just think of who those saints are for you. Who is that person or those people who have done that work of unbinding you, calling you out of the tombs that you have found yourself in? Who, Who are the ones who have encouraged you, who've loved you, who've prayed for you? They're the ones we remember and give thanks for this day, on All Saints Day. And it's because of them that by God's grace that we too can go about the work of unbinding as well. Join that work. So that when others ask, where are you, God? Where are you, God? We might be ready to respond with our words and our actions pointing to the resurrection, to the love of God made visible, the love made local all around us. In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Hey, it's Allie again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use some good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more information about The Local Church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Local Church PBO. Until next time, love where you are.